Welcome to Light Steps Live. Our mission is to open the Word of God to edify the believer and evangelize the world, that people who follow Jesus can walk in the light as He is in the light. James chapter number 2 at verse number 1 and down through verse 13. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones the ones who oppress you than the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbors yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become transgressors of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. We could camp out there for a while. It's all one passage. I want to read it as one passage. I want to handle it as one passage. And I want to do it in a timely fashion. If you've been going through James with us, you say, wow, this guy's going to do 13 verses. He usually does two or three for, you know, uh, you know, 20 minutes at a time. And he'll do another two, three for 20 minutes at a time. He's going to do, yes, I am. I'm going to do all of them. Okay. First off, we, we need to just have this, 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 this understanding that people are made in the image of God and that's all they need to have value. That's all they need. Go study Genesis chapter one, verses 26 through 28 and just see for yourself. We're made in the image of God. There's no, there's nothing else is needed for a person to have value. And nothing else is there that subtracts from that value, regardless of a person's economic status, regardless of a person's race, regardless of a person's creed, they have inherent value because they are image bearers of most holy God. That being said, what the apostle James is saying is show no partiality. And, you know, he, he doesn't make any bones about it. Show no partiality as you hold faith. I think that's the key. If we can hold faith in Jesus Christ, then we, sh- we should be remembering that it is by mercy and grace that we came in. It wasn't because of our ability. It wasn't because of our money. It wasn't because of our looks. It is purely the grace and mercy of God through Jesus Christ that we came into the kingdom. So if you're holding faith in Jesus, don't show any partiality. Every human being has tremendous worth. So the command is super clear. And don't make any mistake about it. This is a command. Show no partiality. 
show no partiality as you hold faith. Um, this is one could be called, uh, one could easily call this a New Testament command. Show no partiality. Has anyone ever left you behind for some reason? Has anyone ever snubbed their nose at you? Has anyone or looked down their nose at you? Has anyone ever disregarded you? Has someone ever judged you for the way you look, what you have, the way you talk, whatever? You know when you experience it. Do we always know when we execute it? Jesus basically says, stop it. <laughs> stop. Don't show favoritism. And if you do it, quit it. Command is clear. The example the example is just as clear. James goes on and gives this example. He says, okay, suppose these two guys come into church. Now, it's hard to imagine that something would ever go wrong in church, right? Church folks always get everything right, don't we? It's totally easy to imagine that someone uh, could be preferred in a local church. Um, I did not grow up in church. My, I went to my home church for three and a half years. God called me into vocational ministry. I went uh, as an associate pastor at a, at a church right down the road from where I lived. I was there for um, seven years. And uh, God called uh, our family to be part of a of a, of, of, of a new gathering of believers. And, and uh, we've been with that gathering of believers uh uh, close, uh, let's see, close to 13 years. And, uh, so I've, I've only been a part of three, um, church families and, uh, and, and, and I've been around, uh, my, my role at my life matters is, has, has sent me to, I, I don't even know. I lost count around 200 different congregations. I've, I've had some fellowship or spoken to, and I can't tell you how many times that it was clear to me, there were these clicks and stuff and, um, churches run by families and and sometimes multiple generations of a family i i didn't experience in that growing up simply because i didn't um i i didn't grow up in church i was able to come to the church and think and, and and think to myself that everybody here has uh inherent value because of who made them everyone has has Calvary value. In other words, Jesus, if you're, if you're saved, you're saved by the grace of God through the blood of Jesus. So I, as far as I knew that, you know, red, yellow, black, and white, we truly are all precious in Jesus' sight. And the poor and the rich could, could come together because those things didn't matter in the kingdom of God. And, and, uh, the educated and the uneducated needed the same grace, just on and on and on. Um, it, it was, it was, it was no problem for me to come into the church without having those clicks because I didn't grow up in church. It was no problem for me to recognize those clicks. But boy, howdy, I've been guilty of preferring people. I have. Um, I've been um, guilty of pre preferring people because I like their personality or I like their upbringing or I, we shared the same hobbies or interests. And it can so subtly sneak up on you that you prefer someone. Um, I, uh, I've been guilty of it. I, I could name specific examples that I've repented of and know I'm forgiven and they still bug me. 
And so what I want to do, what I want to do is to hear this command to not show favoritism. And I need to take an honest look at this scenario and, and see myself in a mirror here because I'm guilty of it. Here, here's the example Jesus gives us. Two guys coming to the church. One obviously is dressed nice. They obviously are dressed nice. They obviously have the accoutrements of wealth. And it's obvious you make the assumption they have wealth and you treat them differently better, you might say, than you treat the person who seems obviously not to have wealth. And what what the Apostle James counsels against in verses two through four is that you have made distinctions among yourself. In other words, you've said this kind of person is more important than that kind of person. And what we do when we do that is we regard people in the flesh. And that is the real core issue. We think of them only as what they are in this world, not who they are in Christ. We think of them what they have in this world, not what they have through Christ. And we begin to esteem these worldly measurements as more valuable than Christ. Now, all of us would say, I would never dare do that, but we do it. We do it. All of us do it. And it's not always about stuff. Sometimes it's about skin color. I know two guys who cannot have a civil conversation because they like different college basketball teams. That is boinkers, man. So, so, so what the apostle would tell us is value people because of their inherent worth. Value them because of the value that Jesus gives them. Don't value them because of worldly things because in so doing, you make the wrong valuation of them and you take a dim view of the value of God. So the example in verses two through four is super clear. Super clear. And as if it's not clear enough, uh, James injects steroids in it in, uh, in, uh, verse number five and then verses six through seven. He, you know, he says, number one, you know, verse, verse six, like number one, didn't God choose the poor? I mean, let's go back and read that. Uh, uh, in, in verse number five, excuse me, I said six, but verse number five, listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in the faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? In other words, hasn't God chosen those who don't have anything to give them everything? So, so don't start telling people that because they don't have the world stuff, they don't have the thing that God gave them. And the thing that God gave them is the most important thing of all. Hasn't God chosen them and given them this? There is a, there is a clear, there is a clear love of the poor in the New Testament church. And there's a clear and quick failure in the early days of the church to give preference to people who had stuff or else we wouldn't have this letter that the Holy Spirit gave us through the Apostle James saying, y'all stop that. Stop making those valuations. Stop treating people differently because of those valuations. You're breaking, you're breaking the very things that God is, is teaching you as he's making you a new person. Let's stop looking at people in the ways we've looked at people. Let's value them because they're our gods. Let's value them because, uh, 
God purchased them with the blood of Jesus. Let's value them because they're made in his image. Let's value them because they have in their possession the riches of Christ. If you get one of these rich rascals walk into a room, you know, Bill Gates, some some uh, sheik from Saudi Arabia who's worth billions, people will start fawning around and, and acting like sycophants and, and, uh, and, and, and you know, uh, Christian people will do it. I, you know, I raise a lot of money for a nonprofit. I, I could be so susceptible to that. And what James is saying is, let's look at what's most important and let's treat each other on the basis of what's most important. Made in the image of God, bought with the blood of Jesus, sealed with the Holy Spirit, and uh, promised, promised uh, a home in heaven and, and, and the, the reward of eternally being with God. And if you have nothing and have that, you have everything. If you have worldly riches and have those riches in Christ, you have riches in Christ that are worth than more than all the riches of the world. But if you only have the riches of the world without having the riches of Christ, you have things that moth can uh, corrupt and rust can destroy and time will forget about and the destruction of the earth will destroy. What really matters is that somebody has the Lord. That's the real valuable thing. So, you know, he tells him, listen, don't you look at these poor, verse six. I mean, excuse me, verse five. I want you to look at these poor. I chose them and blessed them with Jesus. They're rich. They're rich in Christ. And then, and, and, and then he just, he just reminds them, you know, like in a worldly sense in verses six and seven, he reminds them, like, but you know, you do realize that in the world system, there are plenty of people who use their worldly goods to exploit those without worldly goods. So you're actually giving favoritism to people who have or are likely to use their worldly means to do unwise or even evil um, things. Okay. So then he begs for another inventory. He says, if you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, uh, love your neighbor, you shall love your neighbors yourself. You're doing well. But if you show partiality, you're failing in that. In other words, you're, you know, if you, if you really want to fulfill the royal law, if you are doing it, good job. If you aren't, rut row. Okay. If you aren't, there's trouble. And I want you to face it. Okay. I want you to face it and I want you to change it because partiality violates the command of Jesus to love your neighbor as yourself. Partiality, um, partiality is also bad because it, it, uh, it misvalues what Jesus has said is value. It not only violates his royal law, it misunderstands his royal decree about the importance of people. So we misappropriate value of people and we misapply the law of liberty. Trouble all the way around. And so the apostle James says, you know, in no uncertain terms, stop it. Change your ways. <laughs> if, if, if you're not loving your neighbors yourself, uh, and you're breaking the, the royal law. If you're not valuing people in the way God values people, you're, you're, you're breaking the royal law. 
So there's a there is in the end a a Christian way to be. There's a there's a way that God calls the disciples of Christ to behave. In verses 12 and 13, it says, speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. In other words, talk and act like a person who 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 lives under the law of liberty. What is the law of liberty? Love your neighbor as yourself. Talk and act like someone who lives by that. Now, that is a huge challenge, my beloved friends. Talk and act like someone who truly wants to go around loving their neighbors themselves. Okay. Also with that, the, 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 the Christian way to be, the, the way a disciple of Jesus is to pattern their life, their lives, is to go around as an agent of mercy, trumping judgment. So when we are kind, instead of making the judgment we could make if we only operated in the flesh, then we are partnering with the spirit and mercy, mercy, Mercy is winning over judgment. I don't know if you guys have ever played spades or rook, but it feels really great to have one of those big cards. I, I love to play rook. I love when you have the rook. It's a, it's one, one rook in the whole deck. It's a card with a, with a big bird under the rook. And, and that anytime you play it, anytime you play it, um, any legal time you play it, it beats every card on the table. And so it, it makes sense that there are plenty of reasons to make judgments among people. But mercy is like the root card. It trumps. It trumps judgment. And it not only trumps judgment, it enables the law of liberty to, to be activated. It makes the law of liberty something to be acted out. Mercy is absolutely outstanding. So talk and act like someone, talk and act like someone who, who wants to live out the law of liberty and walk around with the awesome trump card of mercy. Walk around wanting to be merciful, walk around with a plan to be merciful, walk around with a plan to put mercy in the place of judgment. Judgment comes more natural. Mercy comes by the direction of the Holy Spirit. Walk around is one who wants to walk around with the Holy Spirit. If we can do this, imagine, just imagine how different we would be behaving. You take some kind of uh, political discussion and we say, instead of judging this person, I'm going to show them mercy. Instead of using my tongue to lash out at them, I am going to listen to them and I'm going to seek to understand. I'm going to listen with God. And I'm going to engage with God. And I'm going to speak with God and I'm going to show mercy, not judgment. I'm going to love them as I'd love myself. What a radically different world we would live in if we would, if we Christians would just walk the way God has told us to walk. And a really practical place we can start is by not showing favoritism, not showing partiality. How would Jesus sum it up if he walked in the room and said, uh, James, let me do the talking? Jesus would say, repent for the kingdom of God is hand. Is at hand. Stop showing favoritism. Stop showing partiality. He'd be just as plain spoken as the Apostle James. Bet on that. Thank you for joining us on Light Steps Live today. My name is Katie Bose, and the rest of our production team is Andrew Liggett, Shannon Allen, and Steve Riley. 
Music provided by Banjo Ben Clark. Connect with Banjo Ben at banjobenclark.com. Tim Bowes is a pastor of East Rock Community Church and the executive director of My Life Matters, a gospel ministry with a focus on making disciples who become lifelong followers of Jesus. Discover more about My Life Matters at mylifematters.club. Thank you.